Philippians chapter 4, we're going to read starting in verse 10. Now I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Notwithstanding, ye have done well, that ye did not communicate, or that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full because uh, having received of Epaphroditus the things which, you, uh, which were sent from you, an odor, odor of a sweet smell, a sacrificial, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray and thank God for his word. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the truth that's found in it. I pray that we will be shaped and molded and understand more and more what you meant uh, by fruit abounding on our accounts by the, uh, the passage today. May I preach with your spirit, with your power, and not my own. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul is writing to Philippi. Now, Philip, the, uh, the Philippian letter is a very interesting one. And the reason it's interesting is there's not a, a direct rebuke in the entire letter. Right? Every other, every other letter we read from Paul has a direct rebuke against the church. All of them, except for this one. But this one, he, he does a lot of preventative uh, doctrine, and, and he's teaching about, uh, about joy, and he's teaching about, um, about gospel conversation early in the, uh, earlier in the book. And then here, uh, he's t- actually asking them to continue supporting him. Now, Paul was sent out of the church of Antioch, and then he formed little churches along the way. Philippi was one of the churches that he helped form. And then Philippi, as it grew, began to support Paul uh, in his missionary work, toward the very beginning of his missionary work, which is what he indicates here in the passage. What Paul would do is normally he would gather the Christians that had been scattered abroad because of persecution, and he'd go to the, to the synagogue and try to witness to the, to the Jews and those who were uh, God-fearing uh, Gentiles that would meet outside the synagogue, and he would try to win them to Christ and show them how the Old Testament uh, explains who Jesus is. He would gather them together, form a church, and build, and that's what he did in Philippi, and he was continuing to do that everywhere he went. Um, this is the gospel work that he was called to do. Now he says in verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the, your last care hath flourished in me again. He said, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. And what he's saying is, is, you didn't have an opportunity to give to me, but you were still caring about me. You still, we still had an ongoing relationship. A, par, a gospel partnership uh, between between a church and then a, a missionary or a church and, and a worker who is doing something for God 
it is not just about money. Sometimes there's a lack of opportunity, uh, like in Paul's case, where the, where the money wasn't the important thing. The gift wasn't the important thing. What they could do for Paul wasn't the important thing. The important thing was that he, they cared for him. All right? There's a lot more that's going on here than just, uh, Philippi, I need you to get, uh, send, a, uh, send a little bit more. We're running low on, uh, on, on the gift you sent me. In fact, Paul begins to, to, to say, I'm not talking about a need of myself that I want something. I've learned to live content. I've learned uh, to live with a little bit or with a lot. I've been in prison. I've been out of prison. I have learned that wherever God has me, I can live and I can survive. I hope that, I hope that you can say the same thing. No matter what circumstance you're in, you know God will provide. God will be there. And he can help you to live abased or abounding. Right? And so the Apostle Paul says, that's not what this is about. I'm not just saying, give to me. I'm saying, we have an ongoing partnership in the gospel. We have an ongoing relationship that goes beyond just the gifts. You were careful. You, you cared for me. He ends the, his little section. He says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Strengtheneth me. Most people, I'm going to come down here if that's okay. Um, most people take that uh, to mean I, you know, I can do anything. What he's really saying is, is I, can, I can fail sometimes, but I can, I can live through that because it's the Lord that strengthens me and gets me through that. Uh, you know, I can, can not have the gift. I cannot have everything I need but I can still live through even that because I know I'm exactly where God wants me to be. It's Christ that strengthens me, not having enough dollars in my bank account. It's Christ that strengthens me, not having enough food on my table. It's Christ that strengthens me, not having all the sleep I need. You know, some, all the things that we think that strengthen us, we don't, we don't, we're not strengthened by, by a, a nap, Right? I mean, you feel better when you get up from a nap, but it doesn't say, I can do all things through a nap, which strengthens me. It says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Sometimes we say, I just need a vacation. It'll make me feel so much better. I'll be so much more recharged and ready to go. It doesn't say, you know, I can do all things through my time on the beach in Florida, which strengthens me. It says, Christ, which strengthens me. What that means is no matter what circumstance you're in, it is Christ who can strengthen you, who can get you through. And Paul was explaining to them that, hey, this isn't about, about um, money. It's not about getting, getting anything else on my account because I can do this because of Christ. This is about you guys. Let's continue reading. He says, notwithstanding, you have done well that you did it communicate with my affliction. So it's not just about money. It's not just about partnering or being a donor who's giving to a cause. Second, it's about communicating with our affliction. So in other passages in the Bible, the Apostle Paul talks about being partakers of the afflictions of Christ. 
So being a partaker of the affliction of Christ. Another place he says, you're going to complete the suffering of the Messiah. What does it mean to complete the suffering of the Messiah or to partake in the affliction of, of Christ? That doesn't make any sense. His work on the cross is complete. There is no need to complete it. But it's the Apostle Paul who says that. So, so we, we've got to reconcile that. We've got to read through that and, and try to understand what's, what's happening. It's not that suffering on the cross was not enough to, to, to save men and women. It's that further affliction is needed so that the gospel can go to people who've never heard. So this, this suffering and affliction that the Apostle Paul takes on, where he says in, in Colossians that I have completed the sufferings of the Messiah, is not that he's saying, my suffering wins your salvation. What he's saying is my suffering is the, the catalyst or the way that the, the gospel was carried to you. Because I suffer, you heard the gospel message. Because I've completed that suffering of the Messiah, you get to know the Messiah. And, and then he extends it here in this passage where he says, notwithstanding, you did communicate with my affliction. You've done well. You've done well because you've participated with my affliction. I imagine partnering with the Apostle Paul is a lot different than partnering with us. The reason I say that is, is we're not in prison. <laughs> we're not in prison. Um, we are not going somewhere where the gospel is outlawed. And you don't live in a place where the gospel is outlawed. And so things are a little different. And it may not have been the wisest thing to continue corresponding with Paul. You risk more exposure. Paul was not a liked guy anywhere. That's why when he goes to Jerusalem finally, he ends up, uh, in, in, the, in the throes of a, of a crowd that wants to kill him, a mob. So it may have been the popular thing or the better thing from a worldly perspective, just not worry. With a, I mean, Paul started your church and all that, but you know, we're, we got a good thing going here. We don't need to fool. I mean, he's a controversial figure. Even within the church, there's some people that are, I don't know about this Paul guy. He's, he's a little tough sometimes. But he says, you, you stood with me, even in my affliction, even when I've been stuck, at, uh, stuck in prison, even when I've been suffering, even when I've had need, you were there with me. You're there in the hard times. You're there in your prayer rooms praying for me. You're there uh, sending gifts when they're needed, sending encouragement when it's needed. If you look down further in the passage, they sent someone to him to encourage him. And they sent multiple gifts, not just, to, not just to, to buy things or make sure the work of the ministry goes on, but simply for the fact of encouraging him in the gospel. It's not just about, about partnering with someone who's doing uh, ministry, missionary work, or whatnot. It's not just about giving them money. It's not just about, you know, praying for them, you know, every once in a while. It's about having your hearts knit together for the purpose of the gospel. Being willing to, to stick it out with each other. To have an ongoing 
partnership and relationship together in the gospel to see people saved here and abroad. That's what it's all about, is seeing the gospel go here and abroad. Now you Philippians know also, verse 15, at the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Philippi had a special place in Paul's heart for two reasons. Number one, nobody else helped him like Philippi helped him. Number two, um, they were there at the very beginning and every step of the way since. We're at the very beginning of our journey, and we've had lots of people come alongside us, and I, I can tell you for a fact that there are certain people that just are, are tied to us. I'll tell you about one couple. There's a couple in, in Dothan, Alabama, or near Dothan, Alabama. Their names are, are, are Tim and Merle, and they are some wonderful people. And my heart is knit to theirs. If, they, if something happened right now to them, I'd, I'd drive out there to see them. I would. Because we, we have a, a common goal. We have a common relationship beyond just, beyond just oh, he, he's, he let us stay with him one time, which he did. Oh, well, he, you know, they, they, they give to, to our cause, which he does. But I also know that he cares about my family, and he prays for my children. And he loves them as if they were his own grandkids. You see, partnership in the gospel is not just about giving, is not just about, um, about all of our needs. It's also about, um, about having a deeper, ongoing relationship where um, we don't falter, we don't fail, we don't leave each other, we pray for one another. I want to pray for your church. You know that? My family wants to know how we can pray for your church. We pray for many of the churches that we've been to already. Every night with our kids, when we go down, uh, we lay them down, we sing, Jesus loves, you, uh, loves me, and I love you, you love me, right? We sing those two songs, and then we pray. And a couple nights a week, we'll pray for, for our family, but a couple nights a week, we'll pray for churches we've been to, and we'll also pray for the people we're going to see. We want to have that relationship with you guys, where there is not just, you know, we're not just here to, to all right, come on, come on and give, come on and partner with us. We want to know your needs. We want to pray for you. We want to, the gospel to go out in Cookville as well as in Europe. It would, it would be horrible for me. It would be a sad thing for me to come back and visit all the churches that we visited. If, I could do, if we could get, get that to happen, that would be wonderful. But it would be, the, it would be the horrible, most horrible thing if I came back and I didn't meet anybody new. It would break my heart. If I come back to, to your church and say, it looks the same, it would. Because I want the gospel to go forward in Cookville, Tennessee, just like I want it to go around the world. The Great Commission isn't just about doing your Jerusalem. It's not just about your Judea. It's not just about your Samaria or the uttermost parts of the world. You have to do every part of it. And you have to have a heart for all of it or you have a heart for none of it. If you can't pray and connect with missionaries who are going overseas, then you aren't going to be a witness in your hometown. And vice versa, if I can't pray for the churches that send us and, and, and 
feel a, a love for the people here that need Jesus, then I surely can't do the same thing over there. We have to have an ongoing relationship with each other, praying for each other's needs. I want to pray for your pastor. I want to pray for your youth pastor. I want to hear about the things that are happening here. It's wonderful when Paul starts talking to these churches that are supporting him and that, are, that he's come through. And he starts to say, I've heard about what you're doing. And it's wonderful and it's beautiful. I want to, I want to have that for you guys. But it's about the gospel going forward globally and globally includes here. It does. Globally includes here. In verse 16, he says that they were once and again to his necessity. But verse 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Here's, this is where I'm going to let loose. I really like this part. When we give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, it says that we've done something good for the kingdom. But when we do that, and you've supported us, it's fruit on your account. That's what the verse just says right here. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. It says, when, I'm going, when you support the work that I'm doing in the gospel, there's fruit that's going to your account. Amen. I mean, that's a good thing. We, you know, we need people to go overseas and to witness. We need people who will be pastors. We need people who are going to be evangelists. We need people who are going to be teachers. But guess what? We also need people who are going to work hard and pray hard for those people and do the work of ministry. We need people who have the gift of helps. We need people who have the gift of hospitality. We need people who are able to, to, to fill every part of the body and, and when you're doing your part of the body, the whole body succeeds. Right? You say, well, you know, but I didn't actually do the witnessing. But you helped to us get to that point. Without you, it wouldn't have been possible. You say, but, you know, our pastor preached at a, at a revival and and three or four people got saved, and two or three people answered the call to preach. Guess what? When you allow your pastor, when you support your pastor in prayer and, and, and by giving to the church to help support his needs, and, and he does that in the name of Jesus, that fruit goes to your account. Isn't that exciting? That means that, that when all of, this is, uh, all of this is said and done, when God looks at us and he and he says, what have you done for me? It's not just the preachers. It's not just the missionaries. It's not just the people that get up front and talk right, that are, are, are going to have fruit on their account. It's the little Sunday school teachers that win Dwight L. Moody's The Jesus. Right? It's the, it's the older lady who, who gets in her prayer closet and weeps for people around the world that she doesn't even know. And their fruit is on her account. When people get saved, it's not just because of a missionary who said it. It's because of the prayer warriors behind that missionary and the givers behind that missionary. That fruit is on that little old lady's account. One of the things we said when we, when we were going is we wanted... 
We wanted the people of, of the United States, but the people of Free Will Baptist to connect with people we're going to work with. We want their hearts to be in tune. I want there to be so much prayer drenched over them before we even get there. That when, we, when we're talking to them, it's nothing but the Holy Spirit. I believe that can happen. I believe that, that when we partner as, as gospel partners, we're going to see fruit. And it goes on your account. The other thing about that is, is we need... We need people who are willing to, to give of themselves for the purpose of the gospel. Sometimes, I'm not going to accuse anybody here, sometimes we give because we like a particular person and their personality. Right? Or we give because um, and I hate to say this, but some of the people have told us, you know, you go around with them kids and that'll be really good for you fundraising. And I, was, I say to myself, that's horrible that there's missionaries who don't have kids who have a harder time fundraising because they don't have kids. They're probably going to be able to do a lot more in ministry than me. Right? That gift, that fruit is for that reason. Not for any of our earthly reasons. Remember that. And that is one of the one of the big things that uh, we got to remember. We're doing this for the purpose of the gospel going forward. But look at the promise that goes with this. This is great. What is the promise that goes with this? Verse nineteen. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God is going to supply all your need now. Let me just go ahead and clarify. It, is, it doesn't say God is going to supply all of your wants. It says all of your needs, right? And so may I, while I may want a Ferrari outside right now, I don't need a Ferrari outside right now, right? But, but as, as God moves you to give and give freely and liberally of yourself, he's going to supply your needs, and see, that's so backwards. And you say, well, are, are, you, uh, are you preaching prosperity? I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that he's going to give you back tenfold. He may not give you another dime, but he's going to provide for your needs. They're not the same things. You'll have everything you'll ever need according to this. Because my God has some riches stored up in heaven in Christ Jesus, that he's going to freely give to us in our need. Now, my stomach may go empty here below, which I don't think any of us really are struggling with that, but maybe, maybe someone is. But I know my need is going to be met in heaven, in Jesus. And, and I may be frail, or I may be getting frailer and frailer each day, because we all are. Right, we're all going. To, uh, we're all getting older. Every one of us is older than we were a second ago. And and I may n need healing, and I may never see that in this physical realm, but I will see that when I meet Jesus someday. I will be glorified and perfect again. Right. So the promise that goes with this is if you are concerned about spiritual things, God is going to supply your 
need. If you're giving and you're partnering in the gospel, if you are concerned about the things of heaven, he's going to provide for you the things of heaven. But if you're concerned about the things of earth, Jesus tells us you'll, you'll lose it. You may gain it all, but you won't keep it all. You may get the whole world, but you've lost it when you lose your soul. And so today, I want you to claim this promise that God will, will provide for your need. He's reassuring, Paul, Apostle Paul is reassuring the uh, Philippian people, saying, look, I know it's, it gets hard sometimes, and I know you may not want to, to continue to give. I don't need the gift, but give so that fruit may abound to your account, and God will supply your needs. That is a wonderful promise. Claim that today. So if we were to leave today and you say, what, what did we talk about? What did, what did the, uh, the guest speaker speak on, the preacher speak on? And there's one thing that, that you just had to, to burn in your mind. I want this to burn in your mind. All right, so ready. If you want to write this down or you, you take notes or whatnot or just, just listen to it intently. That gospel partnerships please God. When, when God's people are working together to see other people saved, it makes God happy. It makes God so happy. Say, so can't God just uh, supply all the needs of all the missionaries around the world? Yes, he, he can, and he has in his church. Y'all know that? He has. The Lord, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? We heard that song. Some of those hills happen to be yours. <laughs> Sometimes we always think of it as other and out there. Um, but I like, there's a song out there that says, uh, why, why doesn't God fix all the world? Well, he, he, he started to fix it. He, he made you, right? He made you. He made the church. And God loves to see his church be the church and work together for the purpose of the gospel. We're not just working together to see the world become a better place, a more moral place. We're working together to see people come to the realization that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died on the cross for our sins, and that he was resurrected again, ensuring that we are going to be resurrected as well. Praise God for his gift. Praise God for, for his ability to do all things. And praise God that he's doing it through his church. God is pleased when the people of God partner together for the purpose of the gospel. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, so much for everything that you've done for us, especially for um, saving our souls. And God, as we are considering today what it means to partner in the gospel, to work together to see people around the world saved. God, I pray that we will not forget that our part all, all the way here in Cookville, Tennessee has global impact. That it's not just about the money, it's about the prayer, it's about the, the heart that goes into it, the relationship, the encouragement. God, I pray that we will see an outpouring of prayer over the people in southern Spain. 
that we'll see an outpouring of prayer over people around the world. We'll see an outpouring of prayer over the people of Coopville, Tennessee, and that we'll start to see people saved, changed, transformed by the power of your Son. We know you can do it. We know you can accomplish great things. And we know that's why you built the church. You will build your church. We're claiming that promise that you will provide for us. You will build the church. All we have to do is be obedient and follow your prescribed method found in your word. And it's in Christ's name we pray.